0: Instagram, the lightning is really bad for me on Instagram. Um, Instagram has this new thing where they um, have all these like Snapchat style filters. And although many people like this little thing with the dog ears and stuff, I'm just like, good for you, uh, Instagram, competing with Snapchat. And um, uh, I just probably will never use them unless I'm feeling really goofy one day. Yeah, Instagram is now on. I was just saying, Instagram has these new filters on them that is like, you know, dog ears and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure people are going to go crazy because people love Instagram. And Instagram, seriously, is like Snapchat. We got we 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 got your number apparently, so I just woke up. So it's literally Ututoma um, speaking now to people on on Instagram. I just went live on Instagram. Currently live on YouTube and Facebook. Ututoma, everybody. I just woke up. So if my voice sounds weird, if I have crust in my eyes, I literally just got up and started doing this because. I know how frequently I get interrupted in the middle of the day, and if I'm going to be doing this at 4 a.m. my time, which is 5 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, and you know to try to get it um, in the morning, like early enough in Nigeria, which is going to change tomorrow because it's daylight savings time, so the time in Nigeria is going to change tomorrow. I find it interesting. Right now, it's 1:54 in nigeria which means nigeria is currently six hours um six hours ahead of us um here in uh where i am in central um u.s and it's really interesting that nigeria doesn't have daylight savings time um that just that's another like nuance that i think that's really interesting um because who's waving hi jim carter 3853 Um, that's another nuance that I think is interesting, um, and another proof that I guess that, you know, culturally, having culturally different practices is not absurd. Um, it's totally possible and within the realm of reason to have culturally different practices. For Nigeria not to have daylight savings time and America to have daylight savings time, the world did not fall apart. So, um, I just think that's very interesting. Tomorrow's daylight savings time here in the U.S., and Nigeria will stay keep their time the same, and nobody will know the difference. Some people think that daylight savings time is a is like a archaic practice here in the U.S., but honestly, I don't think it is. I think it feels good. I, I'm so used to it by now. I know some people probably are, like, burdened by, like, oh, I have to set my clock forward or backwards, but I'm kind of used to it by now, and I actually like having periods of time, like, not waking up to it being dark, you know, for – or then, like having to switch, you know, um, psychologically when it's lighter outside in the beginning of the day and stuff like that. Like, it, for me, it's it's really convenient. Like, daylight savings time makes it's, it's good. It's like fine with me. But I'm not burdened by switching my clock, although some people are. Okay, well, today I didn't come online to talk about clocks and daylight savings time. I came online today to talk about. Um, why Africans don't speak their languages anymore? all um, my everybody. That means good morning in Igbo. Um, I today's video. Uh, I'm gonna try to make sure, as I always say, and they always end up being like 20, 30 minutes. Um, Jim Carter says we don't have daylight savings time in Nigeria because we are close to the equator. I don't think that's. Is that why? Are you sure that's why? Because. The reason that Americans have daylight savings time is because there's other countries that don't have daylight savings time, too. It's not just Nigeria that doesn't have daylight savings time. A lot of countries don't have daylight savings time. I almost feel like I'm not sure if this is true, and I can look it up on Google, because that's the great thing about Google. You can look things up now. You don't have to just make absurd statements. Um, There's a lot of countries that don't have daylight savings time, um, and the, the, I, I'm not even sure if daylight savings time is strictly a uh, an American practice or if it's just something that is done. Um, like, what is it that determines what countries have daylight savings time? Uh, it says, most areas in North America and Europe, there's a sun is shining directly into my face right now. In Europe and some areas, most countries in North America and Europe and some countries in the Middle East observe daylight savings time. Okay, so it's mostly a Western, I mean, not really in Western because it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's a Western thing because Europe. But there's other places that don't, um, like Russia doesn't, it looks like, and most of Africa doesn't. And um, yeah, so uh, observe daylight savings time. While other, most areas of Africa and Asia do not, in South America, most countries in the north uh, of the continent near the equator do not observe daylight savings time, while Paraguay and southern parts of Brazil do. The practice of, day, of, of observing daylight savings time in Oceania is also mixed, with New Zealand and parts of southeastern Australia observing daylight savings time, while other areas do not. And it's interesting because there are places in the world, somebody's saying something, which means daylight, sa- daylights, day and nights don't have as much variance as in the northern and southern hemisphere. No, because Asia is in the northern hemisphere, and it says that most Asian countries don't observe daylight savings time. I understand your logic and your reasoning, but I think it's more because it's daylight savings time is an arbitrary like designation. It's something that people just were like, oh yeah, this would be greater, a great practice for farmers to you know no n- to like have this kind of. um uh, like a uh, 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 chronological, um, uh, you know, convenience so that like if the whole world is operating at the same time as farmers are operating, so that when the sun, so that the, the hours that the sun is in the sky, they will be able to wake up at the same time as everybody else and continue with the, you know, continue with the opportunity to, Farm their their produce and do the things and do the things that are necessary for um, for them to be able to farm and things like that without having such a psychological switch every day because if during one period of time they have to wake up as you know earlier before the sun comes up in another period because America was really a farming culture a lot before the industrial age Uh, they had a lot of rural areas as well um, when the when they were first settled by um, England so. That is um something that came out of the farming culture in America. Um, and then in many parts of the world as well. It's something that they found very convenient for farmers to operate at the same time as people who worked in like industrial areas. Um, and that's where daylight savings time came from. Because there's a period, there's places in this world who have a lot of cycle like, of variants. I think there's a place where they say northern lights or whatever, I can't remember where that is, but it's like they have like 10 hours of or like something like, I think it's something like um, they have like like 20 hours of daylight time and then like four hours of the sun being not dark. And it's just like these weird things. And it really doesn't matter. Daylight savings time does not matter that much. They really just created this arbitrary designation for the sake of convenience. Um, so I don't think that there's that that big of a deal there's a, that big of a deal about daylight like savings time in, in Africa. Um, like they can have it if they wanted to, but it's not, doesn't seem like it's that convenient for them to add that extra thing to their culture, which is a really good point for my show because I really like to talk about like the cultural implications of the, ch- of, of the of Western be- behavior. Iceland. Thank you. Yes, it is Iceland. You're correct. Um, there is a, uh, <clears throat> there is uh there's a lot of things that the west practices that may not be the most convenient thing for people in in parts of Africa in most of Africa um because of the uh geographical and uh you know um sociological makeup of Africa there's a lot of things that the west does that is just like this would not work in Africa or this is not um Realistic for Africa, or this is just inconvenient for Africa. Um, and you know, I, I as you people who watch my my show, know, I'm very um, anti um, getting rid of indigenous uh, industries in the continent of Africa. I think that African Africa and Africans need to develop on their own um, uh, on their own like ideal ideals and on their own, um, you know, with their own symbols and languages and things like that. I think that they need to borrow from the West and the East and from uh, China and Russia and the, the European countries in America. I think they need to borrow or like learn the technology, learn the meaning behind what they're doing, why, it's, why they do it that way. And then see, is this like and not necessarily just take it, um, take it wholesale and 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 like reinvent Africa to look like that, but learn the meaning behind those practices, and see is this the right thing for us or what is it about this practice that is true and not you know um, and universal. And, and and how can and how can that truth be adapted to us not necessarily how can that uh, particular technology or development or way of life how can that be adapted for us but how can the truth of this technology be adapted for us so for example with daylight savings time what is the truth of that technology well the truth of that technology is that <clears throat> you know people can um, can make things different for uh, can make can, can create a standard based on a particular group of people for example you could say the fulani or some you know a particular group of people who may have um who may have particular needs for their their livelihood and their livelihood is uh, central to the livelihood of the rest of the country so maybe you create some kind of law that um, kind of helps them to do their job so that the rest of the country um, can continue to benefit from them. Like when I, I bring up the Fulanis because they're very, I know knowing that they're a very controversial group of people in, in Africa and, um, and in Nigeria, knowing that they're a very controversial group of people uh, because of their way of life. But if you were to be like, oh, okay, the Fulani, like they need to be, you know, moving from country, from, from area to area, um, herding these cattle, and cattle is very important to our livelihood, because we all eat the meat, and we all use the products of cattle, then, um, then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this part of Fulani, uh, you know, culture is very difficult for us to, um, something about it is difficult for us to maintain, so let's do this so that it's easier for them, let's uh, create a path For them, that is like you know really important that that they have to be a part of. Then another thing that like for example, with the um in America we have the um the uh, what are they called the not the Mormons uh there's a group of people that the Amish the Amish the Amish refuse to develop. They have made it their way of life that it's better. They believe you know they're like a religious group or whatever. They believe that don 't they believe that they, they believe that God does not want them to have technology they believe that God the technology is of the devil and so although they do do trade with the West with the uh, part of America that is more developed and these are white people it's a white completely white community of people um, there i don 't believe that there are any other cultural cultures in the in the Amish group there are no black Amish people there are no Chinese uh, Asian Amish people this is a completely white community. And they believe that uh, that the that technology is of the devil, and I don't know if you can if you Google Amish A M I S H, you'll see them with the hats and the beards and the things, and and so they um, the way that the, the the way their way of life is completely there's no technology involved, there's no cell phones, there's no TVs, there's no you know cars, um, they they drive horses and buggies the way that they used to in, in a long time ago in the United States. And America protects them. The United States protects this group of people that have chosen this way of life. They are, they have their own settlements. They have their own, you know, area that they live on and things like that. America has these, and so you have to ask yourself, what is the truth of that situation? Now, granted, America doesn't do that for everybody in America. There are Native Americans who used to live, who lived on this land before it was settled by your uh, European, um, by Br- the British. And so there are people who here are not white, like the Native Americans but they're not, they are protected in a sense, but there was recently a controversy in, the, um, in, in, in a place called Standing Rock where it was a very sacred land for them and they were like, we don't want your technology, we don't want you guys to build pipelines through our land, and yet America did it anyway. Like they, they forced them off the land and made them do it. So I think that there's a race thing related to why the Native Americans weren't protected, but the Amish are, but that's another story altogether. The Amish have this belief, this religious belief, and America has this freedom of religion law And so they're protected. They have this land that is protected for them and they can live there. And they do come to the places with technology to sell the products that they make. They make bread. I think they make, there's a few things that they make and there's a few things that they get from us. Uh, But it's only food. I think, I don't think it's anything like really. So their way of life is protected here in in America. Um, And. That's a very interesting concept, and I think if we understand that in the in Nigeria, and we understand that, you know, you can protect different people's way of life and still have a functioning country um, instead of trying to just copy the West um, without understanding the meaning behind what they're doing, then that's a recipe for disaster in Africa. So... Um, that is something that, and like I was saying before um, in my video yesterday, I don't think it was yesterday, I think it was the day before yesterday, about um, the possibility of people who were born and raised and educated in the West, potentially, like who are blood related, blood by blood related to, you know, Black black Americans or Black Europeans um, who, who left Africa with either by their own volition or through uh, the, the descendants of people who were taken, but are interested in giving their knowledge and giving their resources and giving their um, capital to um, to Africa. That they should have that opportunity to do so, um, if they are, you know. And but but the but many countries in Africa do not make a way for them to come back and to contribute in ways that they that they want to. But I think even if somebody in the in in overseas created a way that would, and then kind of gave it to the government and said, hey, if you guys want our help, you know, here's a way that you can do that and incorporate that. I think that would be, hello, luxury or nothing. I think that would be a, um, I think that's, that's something that's possible too. I think somebody in the West, if they could create a kind of system, like a a website or a, a forum or something like that, that can, that would easily be adapted by the culture, by the countries in Africa, to, um, to you know kind of supplement or allow for um, Africans in the rest of the world to contribute to the African community economy and culture I mean not really culture but like you know the economy and the country country's um, infrastructure then I think that is also a, a very a viable um, option. So let me get into the topic of today's video because I know I'm getting uh, a little bit off off track. excuse me, the topic of today's video is why Africans don't speak their languages anymore, and I think that the, in order for me to talk about that, I have to give you a little bit of background, um, because, I mean, I did do a video about, like, building Wakanda the other day, and it was, um, very detailed, and it talked a lot about, like, what Africans can do if they want to build their communities, um, if they wanna build their countries and their infrastructure and everything like that, so that the country is more um, developed the way Wakanda was. I did a whole like video about it, three videos about that and different, broke it down in, in different stages. And one of the big things that I talked about was language. So the question now becomes, why are we not speaking? Why do Africans not speak their language anymore? And, I, and it, like, it pains me that I can't do this entire thing in fluent Igbo. I actually created this morning show so that I can be able to practice Igbo, and yet I don't do it very easily. And so now today is, a, a, this is an episode where I will talk about why it's not like we don't speak our language anymore. And let me just begin by saying that the biggest reason I believe is that we don't find it, there's a video of Chimamanda Adichie talking about this and, and he's she's tell, saying it in Igbo, and it's on BBC News Igbo, which I think is a great thing. Um, and she says that the reason we don't speak Igbo anymore is because we don't value Igbo anymore, and that was the main thing. It was like a video on on BBC News Ebo's um, um, Instagram account, and she said, she said speaking Igbo one day, I'm off of my. I just it's just so difficult for me. So, um, you guys, it will, it will be cool. Um, so the, uh, the 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 that Diche said that the reason we don't speak Igbo fluently, we don't we don't speak Igbo as much is because you know people used to make fun of people who speak Igbo, um, and things like that. Because um, she didn't go into detail. Like I'm gonna go into detail. She just said that it's because we don't value Igbo. And so my answer, my my the thing I'm gonna answer today is why don't we value Igbo? And why is it that people get made fun of when they speak Igbo in like high school or whatever? or take Igbo or whatever, or take it seriously. And honestly, the reason that I think that it is predominantly is because obviously we have Western influences. We have this belief and mindset that the West knows best. And that is, uh, you know, white is right and the West knows best. That's pretty much the mentality that it makes us to not want to speak our language anymore. Hello, and so um, a lot of people have rejected their native languages because they feel a white is right in the West, knows best. So um, the question now becomes, what is it that makes that propagated? Because people can say that, people can believe it, but there has to be something in the groundwork. There has to be something in the foundation that makes that a, a viable way of thinking. Because, you know, you can tell somebody, oh, why right in the West, knows best, but unless there's some truth to that statement, people are not going to just take it. They're just gonna. They're gonna be like, oh well, you just don't love your, um, you know, culture or whatever. But there's actually truth to that statement, that pe- that that people identify with and makes them, you know, actually not uh, rejected. And um, some of those things include the fact that business is done in the e- in, in in English languages, um, you know, and Asians, you know, they do business. They have textbooks. They have scientific books. They have, you know, all these things in their own languages, and you know, if you want to learn um, business or economics or uh, science or whatever, that is these these crucial this crucial information, this crucial crucial data that actually will help you to build your society, build your community. You have to learn somebody else's language because we don't have these things. Even television news, we don't have these things in our languages ready and packaged for us. So if you want a convenient way to learn these things, you have to know how to speak the other language. So, I mean, I don't think it's necessary for you to completely reject your language and just, I don't want to speak Igbo anymore, because there's many people in this world who are bilingual, who can speak one, two languages or more. Um, In Europe, they all learn to speak multiple languages, um, because Europe is, is so small, and they all travel between cultures, they all travel between countries peacefully, um, so people learn to speak French and English. I think even they have a requirement in schools where they all have to take an extra. They take a foreign language, even here in America, people take a foreign language, but usually that foreign language is Spanish, so most people in America take English, learn English, but then they take a Spanish class, or one or two Spanish classes, that will help them to know some basic Spanish. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being bilingual. In fact, I encourage many people, I always encourage people to be bilingual. Learn your native language and another, maybe a European language or something like that, so that you can have that knowledge to access uh, the information in another person's language that is not available in your own language. And then maybe even take that information in the other person's language and change it, convert it to... Uh, your language. Like, if you learn English just so that you can learn uh, physics or something like that, then you now translate the physics that you wanted to learn in that language into your own language so that other people who speak your language can now have access to that information in your language. And so, hello, um, caring interiors. So, there, all of these things I think that will help us as, uh, as Africans to, um, to speak, to, to, to preserve our languages, to keep. So, so the whole purpose of this conversation is why do Africans no longer speak their language? And so let me break it down. That was a summary of what I'm gonna say in this video. One is that Africans do not feel it's irrelevant according to what Chimamanda DJ said in the, in the BBC Evo video. They think it's they don't value it because they think it's irrelevant. They many people think, and there's truth to that statement, but there's also ways around it. um, That their languages are irrelevant. They're not important. There's no value in learning that language. There's no money in learning that language. You money like if you learn the language, you're not connected to people or resources that you're no longer connected to people or resources that will help you to make money and build your livelihood and feed your children and pay for your homes. Like if I learn Igbo, what am I going to use it and do? What am I going to do with this language? Like it's not going to, is it going to feed my children? No. So some people believe that. And it's not really true because if you wanted to take that language and make it into like make TV shows in that language or whatever, I think there are people that will watch. Um, um, so definitely it's not fully hundred percent true. But there's also the problem uh what where will I learn how to do those things? Is if I only speak Igbo, will I will I be able to um you know learn how to you know build something or create something that will make me money? And the answer is, is generally no, because that information is not in that language. There's many words that are in um someone said that's right. There's many words that are in um, that are in uh, in in foreign languages that we don't even have in Igbo language because those things those uh, concepts were not used by the people by in um, the people who began the culture who started with Igbo. There's a lot of people who there's a lot of languages there's a lot of concepts and um, resources and. Uh, people that, and, and things that you can, you just don't, you just don't, you just can't get in in Igbo language. So because of that fact that you can't get many things in Igbo, like, you know, uh, the information in Igbo is like people are like, well, I mean, what then, what is Igbo good for? What What can I, what can I do with this language? So all I'm saying is, you know, you can you can convert that information, and it's definitely useful to a lot of people if you convert that information. Um, a language, I put a, something on my Instagram yesterday, I think it was either yesterday or day before, that said, you know, a, a language that is not used and written and spoken um, is not, uh, is a dying language, and then are you, are you, are you killing your language? So my whole point is that you can, you can, you can speak your language and speak another language, and you can actually use that and bring more things to your language by being bilingual or multilingual. Um, so you know, some of the things that we're lacking in African languages right now include textbooks, um, entertainment, TV shows, movies. We have TV shows and movies that are in Igbo, but we need more, and we need more diverse types of these things because not everybody is interested in some, you know, uh, funny movie or comedy or whatever types of movies or like scary movies and you know, uh, witchcraft movies and things like that. We need to see people speaking Igbo in different ways, in different mediums, in different types of. Uh, entertainment and different types of um, so, for example, you can have a very serious show, but they're speaking Ebo. Some a show where a TV show where there's a family like on the Cosby Show or on you know some of these shows that is like oh you know we're very we're we're a happy family. Or we can have a show where a cartoon that's an Ebo for kids. Um, or something where it's like you know, maybe some of these movies where there's a spy, action movies, romantic movies, all these things like that. And when I say romantic, I don't mean blue film. I'm talking about um something where um there's people who you know, are falling in love, romantic comedies, there's so many different types of movies you see in America or in the West that are, like, you know, different styles, and, you know, they're all speaking English or French or whatever, you know, European language, but if we had those same diversity of of content and had them in, in African languages, I think people will watch them, Honestly, I do think people will watch the people who love to go out and see them. Even you will see people, you'll see black Americans being like, oh, wow, you know, there's, you know, culture in Africa, you know, like how people love Wakanda now is how they'll love your own culture. And they'll want to come and they'll want to spend money with you because you are giving them a, son, a, a sense of identity that they lack elsewhere. Um in the West, um, a lot of the things people just go there because that's the only option that they have. If they like comedy, where else would they go to find comedy? They can't find comedy or if they if they lack uh if they like well, they can find comedy in, in African cultures because we have funny films. Also, Fionn London is one of my favorite African films, even though it's old. But um I'm sure they have better ones now. But I just I, I mean if I want to, even I don't watch too many just entertainment shows for entertainment purposes. I'm I'm a little too serious. But um, you know, if people want like maybe an action film, something like Mission Impossible or something like you know, uh, uh, superheroes or whatever, they they go to or science fiction. They go to the West because that's where that's the only option that they have. Not because it's better. Sometimes, well, it is better. Even the quality is better because they have money, big budgets for um, making these films. But oftentimes, that's all there is. That's the only thing they have. So they default to that. So then there's. Commerce, there's actually doing business, economics textbooks, uh, inspirational books about like, you know, a lot of people read these success books about how to be successful, how to become a millionaire, how to learn how to do this or that, um, self-improvement books. All these things are in, even audio tapes, audio CDs, things like that. All these things are in. English or, you know, some other language, many of them, like I know this one, I I met this one guy who is from an Arab country, maybe Iran or something like that, and he was saying that there's some of these books that are now translated to Arabic, and people are willing to translate them to Arabic because Arabic is a widely spoken language and acceptable in the Middle East as a, just a common language. And so many of them speak Arabic. And so many books are being translated directly into Arabic because why? Because they can make money off of those particular people um, who speak that language. And those people are actually reading in that language because the Quran is written for them in that language. So many of them learn to read in Arabic. So because they can read in Arabic People are now writing, the, writing, and many of them speak only Arabic. So the people are now, people in the West, are now translating their information into Arabic, just so that they can be able to to help the people in the Middle East read that information. They want to sell you something, but because there's those people, all almost many of them refuse to learn a Western language. They only want to speak Arabic. Because of that, people in the West are now translating just every book, just, just books that are like, so Some the book that this Arabic person told me, this Middle Eastern guy told me that he was reading, is not even like a Middle Eastern cultural, like it's not something that the culture of people in the Middle East even believe in. The book he was telling me is that a book called Men Are From Venus, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. This book that's about relationships and love and romance it's not something that the people um, people in the Middle East believe in. Many of them are very, very uh, conservative with relationships. They don't want to hear that women are, you know, this, this way or that way. But because they feel they got this book that is written in Arabic, now this information is being passed to them, and they can take it or leave it. But, you know, the fact that people – and the thing about it is, like, things, things like that. It's not the people in the Middle East who will translate that book – the person who wrote that book has to agree to have that information translate, translated, and the reason why people in America and the West are translating their things, the, the authors are translating their information to Arabic, is because, like I said, people in the Middle East, most of them only speak Arabic, and they read and write in Arabic, so they have to translate their information for them if they want those people to buy their informa- buy their books. So um, that's a big thing. Like, we don't have to be the ones to, we don't have to be the ones to translate the information. We just have to be the the type of people that we don't want anything that's not in our language. We just have to be, there has to be a demand for that. It's that there's a law in economics of supply and demand. And there has to be a demand for these information. And it's not just a demand like, oh, you must do it. It's a demand like, well, we don't care. You can you not translate if you don't want to, but we're not reading your information if it's not in our language. That's the type of demand. It's like, okay, well, if we want to sell to this this country that has a billion people in it, we have to make our stuff accessible to them. We have to translate to their language or else we can't sell to them. And a lot of people in the West, in America, in Europe, their, the, their main motivation is to make money. So if you make it so that they can't make money without without making money from you, without um, kind of uh, um, um, patronizing, being patronizing to you, not patronizing, like without kind of adjusting what they're doing to suit you, if you make it so that they can't, they can't win you over easily, they will make the adjustments to to suit you. And I think a lot of us don't have, I think the problem with a lot of Africans is that we don't have enough uh, self-confidence in our identity to expect that these people are going to change their behavior for us. We think that we must be the ones to change our behavior if we want to get something from them. And that is a big problem. That's a big fallacy. And it's something that is that is eating Africa alive from the inside. It's something that is destroying us. We're destroying us because we have this mentality. Anyway... um. Another thing, somebody's saying something, thumb up, thank you, Um, so another thing that Africans, uh, another reason why many of us do not speak, many Africans don't speak their language, and by the way, I wish I could speak Igbo more fluently, it's because, you know, they raised me in America, my parents didn't really teach me Igbo very fluently, I only knew a few words in Igbo um, when I was growing up, even though I lived in Nigeria, um, when I was a teenager in high school, I was shipped to boarding school in Nigeria, and uh, I learned some Igbo while I was there and I even came back here and took Igbo lessons. I still I speak some Igbo, but to have a conversation in Igbo fluently is very difficult for me and I try, but it's not easy. Now, um, let's go on to another reason why but I I said everything. Basically, there's no incentive to learn Igbo. There's no incentive to learn African languages. We don't speak our language because there's no incentive. Do you 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 you, you, you can't make money from our languages. You can't make you know you can't you can't um, learn information. You know you can't enrich your mind in our language, and you can't be entertained in our language. And those are the things that we need and we want on a daily basis. And if we can't have them, then it's no point. So my plea is, plead. I'm pleading with people to start creating content. And um, those three things that I just mentioned are the main type of content: education make education information available in our language, entertainment, make entertaining information available in our language. And um, what was the third thing? Business opportunities, make business opportunities available. I think I said money, entertainment, and education and information um, to learn. When you make those things, you can even combine them, make a business of creating um, TV shows that teach science in Igbo. How about that? Like, there are TV shows that teach science in America. I remember when I was growing up, I used to watch the show called Bill Knight the Science Guy. There was another show I used to watch called Beekman's World. They would teach things about science. They would do experiments for kids. They would do experiments, like, about science in, it, it, obviously, it was in English because I'm in America, but, like, they'll take science, things, they'll be teaching you about light and the way, uh, light and colors and rainbows and, and all these things like that, and they'll be showing you all these things in English. Well, we can do those things where we're conveying this information, scientific information, or like even like Sesame Street. Um, uh, there's so many things. There's this whole channel called PBS here in the United States that you can you can just watch it and learn things. History, the History Channel, um, all these things. You, the National Geographics, all these things teach information. You could create a whole business of a channel where people are just doing things that teaching information in. In African language, in your particular African language, that's a way to combine all of them. You're now creating entertainment, you're creating educational information, and you're creating, um, and you're and you're making money from it because these TV shows, people get paid from advertisements and sponsors and things like that. So, all these things are um, ways in which this can be promoted. Um, so I really love BBC Ebo. BBC Ebo is this, is something new. It just came out maybe last month or this month. Um, they now have a YouTube channel. Um, I don't know if they have a YouTube channel, but they definitely have an Instagram account and they have a Facebook account and they have a website on BBC.com. Um, they have a page or you know somewhere you can go on BBC to get this Ebo news. And I love it so much. I check it out every now and then. Uh, Maybe I I was checking it out every day, but you know, I have so many things going on. But every now and then, I go to them. I don't even watch the news here in the United States, but I, you know, I don't look at this stuff because it's very, like, to me, it's very depressing. But I go to BBC News Ebo as much as possible just to, um, not even to see what's going on, because me, I don't like to just know what's happening for the sake of knowing what's happening. But I go there because it's in Igbo. And so they, and sometimes they even have celebrities on there speaking Igbo. Like they had Chimaman DJ. They had uh I think one of the in the, the one half of p Square. <laughs> they had um they had uh many other celebrities. Uh they have sometimes governors and and actors and things like that, Ta- speaking Igbo and talking about the things that are going on in in uh in Alibo. So it's interesting to watch. And I love that they have that now because it's something that will encourage people to hear and speak and learn ebook. And I just hope that we can do more things like that so that people have options. Some people like me don't really care about the news. We don't really want to watch the news. But if you did something that's like self-help, inspirational, motivational, educational, people will actually... Tune into that more. And there's some people who just don't care about any of that. They want to be entertained. And if you create content where people are acting shows, TV, you know, cartoons, movies, superheroes, things like that in Igbo, they'll watch that. Even if they don't understand it at first, they'll watch it because they want to learn it. And they, you know, they just see the characters doing something and they're enjoying seeing the characters doing that thing. And by default, they'll be hearing the language. So all of a sudden, they'll become more. they'll have a reason to the, I think the, uh, somebody opened the door when there's a, um, there's an alarm, there's a alarm, uh, so lock, that's the sound, people will want to hear those languages, and people will end up hearing those languages by default, because they have no choice, they have to hear the language in order for them to take, to, to, um, to understand what's happening. So they'll start to learn what's happening. And it's not just making something in Igbo and it's it's not good quality. The thing has to be something that people will enjoy watching. So if you're making a TV show or a story or a movie, the story has to be good. It, it, like if the story is really, really like that is a on a people are just like, Hey, this is I love how Superman is flying, blah blah blah, black Superman, whatever. And they're speaking Igbo, people will say, Hey this is a good show. I must know what they're saying. And people will now dig deeper and they'll try to learn the language because of that. So that's uh, something like, so if we we have more things like that, it will incentivize people to learn the language and to know the language and to speak the language and to engage with one another in that language. It's not just speaking Igbo so that you can be uh, rebellious against the West or to be Angry at the West is because our language is beautiful and it deserves to be preserved. It deserves preservation. You know, it deserves for people to um, learn it and want to speak it and do business and engage in that language. So I think that uh, I think we need to we need to be more. Um, we need to love our language more. We need to be more recognizing that things that we create are still good and quality and useful, no matter what. Like they're good for those things. Uh, the problem is that many of us go to the West and we learn this information and the people who came, our our, our ancestors, uh, the people who left maybe because of the Biafra War or whatever, came here. They were speaking Igbo. They learned the information in English or French or whatever country that they went to and it was difficult for them to convert that information into igbo because there were some limitations there were also some mental limitations where they were thinking that well we don't have that word in igbo we don't have this you know concept in igbo so how can i even translate this information and give it to my brother back home and by the time they finished and also they have they have a lot of um responsibilities, excuse me, responsibilities, they want to raise their children, they want to make money, they want to do this, they want to do that, so before they even have the chance, many of, some people did, some people actually went out of their way to create books um, and things like that um, in the language, but many of them had a lot of difficulty because they had come here and all of a sudden, this, the burden, the weight the problems that the, the responsibilities, the obligations that the, the foreign countries will have, they will have from those foreign countries will keep them from doing the next step, which is to convert that information or create resources for the people back home. But now there's no, like, there's no excuse. We have the internet, the people in Nigeria who can learn things and just staying there in their own homeland, convert the information, create things and and help their own people. There's there's so many ways to do it now. There's a lot of other opportunities. I believe that there were never any excuse, but uh, there's people who will say that there were problems that made it impossible for the people who of uh, yesterday yesterday to create those things. But I don't think there's any ever an excuse. The people who are there now can still create for their the people who were there then could could have mentored people, but obviously there was also a lot of corruption. The landscape wasn't right. Many people were were not educated about what the other, and many of them had a bad um, opinion of people who went overseas. Um, during that time, people would you know uh, have superstition and stuff like that. So there was a there was a time when it maybe it wasn't it didn't seem like the right time, but I think now is the right time, especially now that people are being educated about what is possible, um, I think now is a good time. So let me wrap this up. As I've said in a past video, um, the video that I made on my YouTube channel, which if anybody doesn't know, uh, if the, anybody sees this on Facebook or Instagram, that you, you can find my channel by going to go.wudo.com forward slash YouTube, and you'll find my YouTube channel. Um, on my YouTube channel, I did a video called uh, how to build Wakanda, and uh, one of them in the videos, I mostly talked about language, and I talked about the three pillars that you can use to um, create, to change something from your language to someone else's language, from someone else's language to your language, or convert information, or create, convert something to your language, and those three pillars are story, um, language, symbols, and story. So if you take something, I'm just gonna briefly go over it again. If you take something that, maybe you take a concept in science, and you want to want it to be understandable in another comp- culture to another culture you change one you can change one or all of those three things one two or three of those th- those three things you can either just change the directly change the language that it's being taught in you can just like for example you're teaching somebody a mathematics concept or a physics concept or a biology concept let's say biology this time cuz i used math and physics last time let's say you're teaching somebody about um, the reproductive system, which is like giving birth and stuff like that. Um, if first you the, you could just change the language, and you could just talk about all the more, um you know, things like that. You could talk about just the process of giving birth, and you could just convert them. In, there's a lot. All those words are in Igbo anyway because people give birth in in Igbo land, so it's easy to convert that 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 reproductive system. That's that science to Igbo. Um, we've, been, we've even had midwives since before colonialization. We've had so, much, so many things because that's a process that everybody uses. Um, many of these processes anybody uses and even to convert the language to our language, even if you're taking something that we, we don't use like um, nuclear fission, you can still convert the language. All you have to do is find the next step, which is symbols that will that will you know something that's relevant you just have, this is the thing you just have to find the truth it's like i said earlier in this video find the truth of that science find the truth of that principle find the truth of that technology what is it that is universal about this and then you change it to 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 suit your your culture you change that which is universal. You take that universal truth and apply it to your culture. So you can change the language itself and just teach, change the language that's used to teach it. Or you can change the symbols involved. Um, like I said in, in my How to Build Wakanda video, um, many of the symbols that, many of the things that we talk about, the symbols are arbitrary. Even the, the alphabet is arbitrary symbology. The number system is arbitrary symbology. The truth is that there's one I can use anything to call this one we say uh I but um the the truth of that of that information is just that this if you take this many of this and this many of this and you want to know how many this and this is there's you know, more than there's two of them, and so, but to say one, to say two, that's arbitrary, to even to use that, the line to represent one, or this to represent two, all of that is arbitrary, so the truth of that is that there is a way to count, but to what you call those things is arbitrary, you can do one, but there's also, if anybody knows about Roman numerals, you can do if you you can say one and zero to mean ten, but if you want to change the symbols, you can go to roman Roman numerals and then x that x this this thing here that is ten in Roman numerals so um there are other ways to to convey that information so symbols can be changed. Uh, this language can be changed and then the story can be changed that's the third thing that you can do you know you find the truth of that and then you change the story around it so like i said if you're telling um let's just let's just talk about let's what about black panther black panther is a universal story it's a universal story. What, where have where what? There's many places where that story is being told. Like a like the, someone a Christian uh, made a video about how Black Panther tells the story of Jesus Christ in a way because he it's not a Christian story? Definitely not a Christian story. But he's saying that if you look at the story of a king, who, who is fighting for his people. Who, who doesn't? It's not that the it's not that the soldier is fighting for the king, but the king is the soldier and is fighting for his people. He's saying that that is the story of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is a king, and he is. Oh, I'm taking do of queer quotes, but let's just he's the, he says he's the king of kings and lord of lords. So if you if that's if you believe that, which you know I'm a Christian, so um, then that means that he is a king that that takes the, takes the sac- makes a sacrifice for his people. He even dies and comes back to life. So this, a Christian was making the argument that this some Christians don't like the movie, but there's one particular Christian who said that for many reasons, this is a good story for even Christians. So um, that is, but that's a universal story. Those elements inside of Black Panther are universal, but the story being told, the people, the concepts, everything that was used inside that story are more african and so that's one of the things that uh, you can change. You can change the the, the the actors involved, but the story is universal. The last thing that I will talk about in this broadcast is, you know, the, the idea about parents, parents who encourage their children to speak evil. I think it's good. I think it's good. Let me just say that first. I think parents having rules in, in their home that we speak evil, I know one woman who taught me evil, um she said that in her home her parents made a rule that you 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 don't you only speak evil in this house you will learn english when you go out when you go to school anywhere you go you will learn english but as far as you're in this house we will speak evil i'm not talking to you unless you speak evil to me and the parent just says they're like you start talking to them in english and they're just like I'm not responding to you because you asked me for a soup. I'm not giving you anything because you didn't speak Igbo. So that, that's, that's the type of thing some parents do. Some people, some some you don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to beat your children if they don't speak evil, You don't have to do those types of things if they don't speak Igbo. Hi, somebody gave me thumbs up. Hi. Um, you don't have to beat your children if you don't speak Igbo. You don't have to be mean or angry or aggressive to your children you don't speak evil. Well you make it something make a household that's conducive to them speaking ebo or in any African language and that will be enough um to encourage your children to speak Igbo. So there are ways to encourage your children to speak Igbo and to make Igbo a part of your life consistently. And one thing is that even as you're teaching your kids ebo even as you're teaching your kids Igbo don't stop at just teaching them ebo. you know make it so that is this is is good is sweet for them to learn ebook tell them tell them ways that they can Leave this video here tell them the ideas that i've told you about how they can make money with ebook how they can they can create um they can make money with ebook they can create a community with ebook they can create T- stories and TV shows and things like that, because it's those children that, when they grow up, they'll be the ones that will even make those things for the next generation, and they'll keep Igbo alive. So it's not just you. You're not alone. You're not the one that's doing this all by yourself. You're not the. You're not. You don't have to take on the whole burden of the whole world by yourself. You pass the buck. You pass the baton to the next person who will be who will help you carry the load. And that's our culture, anyway. We don't, we're not an isolated community. We are a community that, that engages with one another. So you don't have to do things by yourself. You can, maybe the only thing you do in your life to preserve Igbo is to teach your children Igbo because you're a mother or you're a father. And that's the only contribution you can do. That's fine. That's good enough. But you can also teach your children as you're teaching them Igbo. Okay. As you're learning Igbo, you're not learning it for no reason. You have a destiny. You have a inheritance. You have a, um, you have a, a legacy that you have to continue to live on. Create an Igbo. Engage with others in Igbo. Teach others Igbo. But as I'm teaching you Igbo, pass it on. And so that is uh that's a really that's a good place for me to stop. Um and that's a good uh, challenge for everyone who watches this video, everybody who comes across my channel. Um I think that is that is a that is a good way for us to keep the culture alive, keep the language alive keep um make it make it so that other people feel encouraged to be a part of the culture and not just to be a part of the culture but to create things for us in our language and to actually help us to build our language when people we show interest in, in in preserving our language other people will help us i mean bbc is not an ebook cult is not an ebook it's not an evil uh, invention bbc is a is a is from is from uh great britain but they saw that there's an interest of our people so they maybe some of us went to them and said hey this isn't so they they've made it their interest known and and bbc said okay let's help you so unless you yourself are interested people will not people will think it doesn't exist and they won't and it will just die your idea will die with you so That being said, um, um, have a good day, Um, enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, blossom where you're planted, peace.